you're tuned to More Living with Jim Brogan, broadcasted live from the Brogan Financial Studios at News Talk 98.7, where old-fashioned values, expert knowledge, and genuine understanding come together to give you the retirement straight talk you deserve. Jim's a former National Advisor of the Year recipient and a financial educator. And he's here today to talk about how you can live out the best years of your life. Jim and the Brogan Financial Team have been helping retirees and pre-retirees across the Southeast for almost 20 years in their pursuit of financial independence. You can reach them during the week at 865-862-6800. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn, folks, because more living with Jim Brogan starts now. Happy Saturday, East Tennessee, and welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. You're listening to News Talk 98.7 WOKI. We're with you every Saturday at 9 a.m. and again at 3 p.m. You know, the world is full of unpredictability. COVID is certainly an example of that. And more recently, the news about about the Chinese real estate company Evergrande is another. You know, news of their financial troubles caused the market to drop in a single day, and it goes to show what happens on the other side of the world can affect your 401k and your retirement finances in the future. And ultimately, we have to deal with unpredictability in retirement and create a plan that can weather storms. You know, when I look at the market in general, there are two things that I feel certain about when it comes to the stock market. One is Markets are uncertain and and, and unpredictable. And then number two, they're very, very volatile at times. So a solid financial plan is more important for today's retiree than ever before. And I think now's the time to start planning. We've got some challenges. I think you can navigate it effectively with a good plan. And whether you're worried about running out of money in retirement, paying too much in tax, or navigating Social Security, educating yourself and creating a plan of action can help you get back in control. We can't control everything around us, but we can control our plan, and an effective plan can all but eliminate the risk of short-term volatility. We've got a lot of stuff coming on. We've got potential government shutdown looming. We've got the debt ceiling that we don't know if Congress is going to raise the debt ceiling. Uh, The Republicans are saying they won't do it. So, you know, we got a lot of political maneuvering in Washington. But, you know, that ends up uh, making unease in the markets because the markets don't like uncertainties. So if you have questions about your retirement, you're in the right place. And here's what we're going to cover in today's show. I'm going to talk about how to prepare for market volatility, because market volatility is a certainty. It will happen, and we don't know when it'll happen. You know, on Monday, it's interesting, everybody was talking about, oh, this is the start of a major correction. And then the market came back through the week. Just goes to show you it's very, very unpredictable. And in the short term, people tend to overreact to things like that. We'll also talk about some potential tax changes we could see soon. There have been, there's been a little bit of evolution in what the Biden administration has been proposing and talking about with tax changes. We'll talk about how to retire without a pension. And what do you do if you're offered, if you have a pension, what do you do if you're offered a lump sum? 
and what changes to Medicare are being discussed by Congress. So we'll answer some common retirement questions that you might have and we'll talk about some potential solutions to problems. Now's the time to prepare for changes you could face in retirement. So let's, let's talk about market volatility. You know, we've seen record highs in the stock market recently. But then, of course, Monday stocks fell when Chinese real estate company Evergrande appeared to be in financial trouble. And that's still very uncertain. We don't know where that's going to go. The market has recovered in a way where the markets are kind of saying we expect that it will be okay. There was initial concern that it could end up turning, turning into what we saw with Lehman Brothers back in 2008. And this shows that even something that happens on the other side of the world can affect our portfolios, and we really have no control over these kinds of events. So the state of the market at the time of your retirement is not within your control, and this is one of the biggest risks you take on when you retire because we never know the type of market you'll be retiring into, and you inherit a, a different kind of risk the day that you retire, and that risk is what is called sequence of return risk. Sequence of return merely says when are the good years and when are the bad years. You know, we know in the markets over periods of 30 years, the stock market does well and has proven in the past to be the best hedge against inflation. The best way to have your money grow to beat the enemy of inflation. But in shorter periods of time, that's not always the, the, the case. And, you know, when you're saving and accumulating money, and you're in your 30s and your 40s and even in your 50s, it doesn't, it's not nearly as important when are those good years and when are those bad years. But when you retire that becomes potentially a, of critical importance because retiring into a difficult market in the first five years of retirement can be devastating because you're no longer saving and accumulating money. You're spending and de decumulating money. And as we saw this week, events on the other side of the world can affect our money. Think of COVID. Think about China real estate. We're not in control of world events or the state of the market at the time we retire. And I'm going to try to state this as simply as I can, but if you live for 30 years in retirement, so let's say you retire in your early to mid-60s and you live to the, your early to mid-90s. And by the way, a married couple age 65, the average married couple one of you will live to 94 and is just average. You know, I ask that question a lot when I teach my classes, my adult education at the University of Tennessee and at Mississippi State, and people always guess mid-80s, you know, hey, how long are you expected to live? A married couple, one of you is expected to live to 94 if you're 65 years old today. So if you're going to live, let's say you live for 30 years in retirement, Believe it or not, over 80% of your financial outcome over that 30-year retirement, over 80% of that outcome is determined in the first 10 years. And over 50% of that outcome is determined in the first five years. In other words, if you see a big hit to your money 
and you realize significant losses, that could be from a, ste a steep stock market decline, it could be from healthcare expense, unexpected catastrophes. It could be devastating because then if you're spending the money, the portfolio may technically eventually recover, but be because you've taken money from your savings, that money doesn't recover as well. You know, U.S. adults 55 to 64 years old, getting right up into retirement, saw the largest decline in their wealth in history between 2007 and 2011. So think about if you were retiring in 2010. Or think about, actually, even more difficult, what if you retired in 2006? See, that could have been devastating if you didn't have a plan to fight that battle. So how do you develop that plan? And the, the, the number, there, there are two top answers here. There's a lot of answers. The number one answer is to not depend on market investments in the early years of retirement. So it's how you structure income. We don't want to be living off investments that are going sharply up and down in value because inevitable, which is what your stock market money is, market investments, because ultimately they'll be sharply down. I mean, it's inevitable. That's the way markets work. And that means when they're down, you're having to sell them off while they're down and then spend that money as income. And it'll, you'll compound your loss. It'll never, ever come back because you've spent it as income. See, it's okay to sell something when it's down and reinvest, but you don't ever want to sell something when it's down and spend the money. Well, the problem is if you're retiring next year, or if you just retired, you have to spend some money. So you should structure your market investments. Think of separating them out and having two different buckets of money. You've got a stable bucket, which is not in the stock market. And then you've got a risk bucket that's invested more for growth, but you're not living on it in the short term. And that way, you know, you need to have five to seven years of safe, stable income that you can pull from that stable bucket in the early years of retirement without touching the risk investment. So that if there is a sharp downturn in the early years of retirement, it's not devastating for you. And I cannot stress how important that is. Now, then the second factor is to be more diversified with your risk investments because you don't have 20 years to wait out or, or even 15 years or 10 years to wait out a significant downturn. Or what if we had two bear markets in the next 10 years? So you have more diversification and balance. Now, what you can't do, in my view, is have too much in U.S. bond funds. And the historic approach to hedging risk in an investment portfolio is to have more traditional U.S. bonds. And the thought is, well, in the short term, when the stock market is volatile and going down, people rush to the safety of bonds, and so it helps hedge the amount of the loss in the downturn. And that's still somewhat true. The problem is, in the long term, bonds are doomed. Traditional bonds that pay fixed interest rates are doomed because interest rates are really low right now and if interest rates stay low that means they're not paying anything over the longer term and if interest rates go up bonds go down because bonds move in an opposite direction of interest rates so that traditional approach to diversification and balance is just not going to work very well in the future 
Yet if you need money in six or seven or eight years, even with a good income plan, you just can't. It's tough to recover from a 40% loss in the market. By the way, if you lose 40% in the market, let's say you have $100,000, and you lose 40%, that's four, you've lost 40000 so you now have $60,000. And that's the average bear market. We see it about every eight years since 1900. So if you're at 60,000, you lost 40%. What do you have to make on 60,000 to get back to 100? You got to make 67%. You lost 40, you got to make 67. It's what I call the cruel math of losses. So in order to have more balance and diversification in your portfolio, what do you do? Well, you need to add other kinds of things that are more alter alternative asset classes that, you, that, that really haven't been used a lot in the past. You've got to have more commodities, and you've got to have natural resources, and you've got to have real estate, and you've got to have energy, and you've got to have non-traditional bonds that can go up with rising rates instead of down. And you know what? You can own volatility as a diversification tool, where literally when markets get volatile, you have a little hedge in there that makes money. So it just needs a little bit of a different approach than what's worked for the last 50 years. So you secure income in the short term, and you're more diversified and balanced in the longer for the risk investments, and don't do it with traditional bond exposure. Now, that's just something that I talk about in my classes. And my next class is at Pellissippi State Community College, and it's at the Hardin Valley location, and it's on October the 19th and 26th. Okay, and I would love to see you there. Um, and if you go to Pellissippi Retirement Planning, you can get more information. So again, that's the 19th and the 26th at Pellissippi Hardin Valley. Go to PellissippiRetirementPlanning.com. I'll be there from, uh, it's 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. both nights. Two two-hour sessions, $59 course fee. It's uh, $89 if you're a married couple. I'd love to see you there. Now, when we, we, we talk about this and much, much more. Now, when we come back, we're going to talk about what's in the Democrats' new tax proposal and which of those items is likely to pass or not likely to pass. What do we, and then overall, what do we need to be aware of in today's tax environment? So stay with us. You're listening to More Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Thanks for tuning in this weekend. This is More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I'm your host, Jim Brogan, and uh, we're talking about all the volatility that's going on. How do you create a financial plan to deal with some of this? I want to talk now about taxes in retirement and what's on the horizon. What is in the Democrats' tax proposals? You know, we've seen tremendous increases in government spending due to COVID-19, and there are plans to spend trillions more. So we've seen tremendous government stimulus, with Congress passing stimulus and with the Federal Reserve basically printing money, and they're continuing to do that, we could pay for it in taxes down the road. You know, if I look at our country historically, I don't know if you're aware of our tax history. You know, the first federal income tax 
was, was in 1914. And in 1914, for you to pay income tax, you had to make more than $3,000. Well, how many people made more than $3,000 in 1914? There weren't many at all. And if you did make more than $3,000, your starting tax rate was 1%. And the maximum tax rate in 1914 was 7%, but only on income over $500,000 in 1914. I mean, the Vanderbilts and the Rockefellers. But then if you look at our tax history, our taxes really shot up during the Great Depression. And... Shortly after World War II in 1946, do you know what our highest tax rate was? Our highest marginal tax rate was 94%. That is correct. Some taxpayers in 1946 paid a 94% income tax rate for income over $200,000. Now, granted, a lot of people didn't make that in 1946, but there were plenty that did. And for 18 years, we had an era of extremely high taxation where for all of those years, the highest tax rate was over 80%, and for most of those years, it was over 90% for income, usually over $200,000 back throughout the 50s. You may remember Ronald Reagan in some of his book, it, you know, when he would talk about this, some of his biographies that have been written, he would make three movies a year. And the reason he did that is he'd hit that $200,000 cap, and then he would just stop working. Because he had a 94% tax rate federally, and then he had a California state income tax. So he was basically working for free. So he'd stop making movies after three movies. Now then rates started to come down a little bit in the 60s, and then in the 70s, the highest tax rate was 70%. Then in 1980, the rate came down to 50%, the highest rate. And then in 1986, the highest income tax rate was slashed to 28%. And now... We have been, our highest federal income tax rate was, uh, has been under 40% ever since. 25 years. No, 35 years. So we, if we look at where our income taxes are historically, they're very low compared to where they've been. And then we look at our deficits, our debt, and all these things. Now, House Democrats are working on a tax proposal, and it's changed a bit from what President Biden said on the campaign trail. So there have been several tax increasing measures, but perhaps maybe not as extreme as what was somewhat proposed. So right now, it looks like the step up in tax basis at death will not be repealed. That's very important in my view. Step up in basis, you know, let's say that your parents bought a house for $100,000 and now it's worth $500,000, and they die, and it goes to you. Well, typically, if the tax basis is 100000 and you inherited it 500, you would owe long-term capital gains on $400,000, but that does not happen under today's tax code. Your tax basis steps up to the $500,000 day-to-death value. So you don't have to pay that, that long-term capital gain. And there's been a lot of talk about eliminating the step up in tax basis at death. But it'd be so harmful to people that own businesses and that own farms and things like that. So it looks like that's kind of off the table for now. Down the road, who knows what could happen with our challenges with our debt. 
and paying for and unwinding all the stimulus from COVID-19. Not saying it wasn't needed, but we got to unwind that at some point. So it looks like the step up in basis will stay at least for now, which is to me a good thing. Uh, if it had been repealed, so many people would have been infected by taxes when they inherit assets. It had been very damaging to small businesses especially. The new proposed tax rate for long-term capital gains, the Biden administration has proposed raising it to 25% instead of eliminating it. In other words, right now the maximum tax rate for long-term capital gains is 20%, but it's really 23.8 because there's that Obamacare surtax of 3.8% when you're up over 250000 for a joint filer of income and 200000 for a single filer. So basically it's 23.8% is the highest long-term capital gains rate. So Biden had been talking about eliminating that rate for people over a million dollars, and that would raise it to effectively over 43%, 43.4%. Well, now they're saying 28.8. So that's a big difference. And that still makes, if that happens, that would still make long-term capital gains very attractive as a tax rate for most taxpayers, most of you listening today. And I would say that Planning, positioning your investments to take advantage of long-term capital gains is a critically misunderstood opportunity because long-term capital gains rates are low. And many people that are in that what I call the sweet spot of retirement, which is between retirement age and age 72, 72 is when you have to start taking forced distributions from your retirement accounts at about a clip of 4% per year, fully taxable. So when you're between retirement age and age 72, a lot of, I mean, we work with a decent amount of high net worth investors, meaning people with over seven figures of investment assets that can be in a very low tax environment until they turn 72. And it's an advantage to take advantage of capital gain. There's a long-term capital gains rate of 0%. If you plan your income, tax planning correctly. And I hear people talk on long-term gains, they talk about loss harvesting, like every fall looking at potential investments that have lost money and selling them to take advantage of the losses and reinvest in something else. But what about gain harvesting? I mean, if you can take a capital gain at 0% or even 15 or 18.8, for many of you, that's a tremendous opportunity with tax planning. Because ordinary income taxes are a good bit higher than that for all taxpayers and all those applicable tax rates. Now, I don't mean to get too complicated. I can't go through all those tax rates. But the bottom line is taking advantage. It's what I call asset location. Where are your investments located? You know, if you have, I had somebody come in my office about a month ago, and they had all of their capital assets, meaning investments that were invested for growth, stocks, mutual funds, ETFs, things that were invested for growth. They were in their retirement accounts, IRAs and 401ks. You don't get long-term capital gains treatment in an IRA. When you take that money out, it's ordinary income. And then all of their income-producing assets, things like bank invest, CDs, money markets, bonds, they were outside the IRA. 
And I think the thought there was, well, the IRA is a longer-term investment. I'll be more aggressive. And I, and I get all that, but it's not being efficient from a tax perspective because the income-producing investments are all spitting off ordinary income. And then the capital assets that can get long-term capital gains treatment are all in the IRA where they can't even get that advantage. So your asset location, and another way to say it would be tax diversification, is critically important in tax planning. It's unbelievable the, the, the opportunity I think you have for those of you that are near retirement or retired to save money on income taxes over the long haul. For many of you, it could be easily six figures worth of tax monies, $100,000 or more over your lifetime in retirement with effective tax planning. Then there's also the opportunity for things like Roth conversion. I think taxes are going to be a good bit higher in the future, don't you? When we look at how, how we're going to unwind all of this stimulus and where we are economically. So if you can take advantage of low tax rates today, maybe you pay less tomorrow. That's effective tax planning. Now when we come back, we're going to talk about the fact that today's retirees, are you're, you're much less likely to have a pension that pays you guaranteed income for life. And if you don't have a pension, what does that mean with your financial plan? Or if you have a pension, what do you do if you get offered a lump sum? So don't go away. You're listening to More Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Thanks for tuning in to us this weekend. This is More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI. We're on every Saturday at 9 a.m. and again at 3 p.m. Uh, you can also catch our podcasts on our website at broganfinancial.com. Click on radio. And, you know, so far today we've talked about the certainty of market uncertainty and volatility. And we've talked about tax planning. I talk about all of these things and how to create a financial plan for retirement that can give you a very, very high probability for success and help you ensure that you don't make a major mistake, that, that you really cannot undo. I talk about all of this in my classes. My next class is at Pellissippi State Community College at Hardin Valley, um, and it's on October the 19th and 26th. Those are two successive Tuesday evenings, 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. It's free parking there, of course. And I cover seven major areas of retirement planning. And you can get all that information if you go to PellissippiRetirementPlanning.com. You can download a syllabus. And there's a short video on there, and you can click to register. Now, I do want to tell you, you know, I just talked about the tax planning. I'm doing a one-night tax class at Pellissippi Hardin Valley on November 2nd. Tax planning in the new age. Tax planning, in my view, is more important than it's ever been because I see choppy markets over the coming decade. And I see more mediocre opportunities for investment return. 
I don't see significant opportunities for making 9, 10, 11% per year in the stock market. Now, I could be wrong. But if I'm right, I want you to still be successful in retirement. And most people we meet with in our office can be with the right kind of financial plan, the kinds of things I talk about here on this show and that I talk about in my class. But I think tax planning, you know, the equation is it's not how much you make, it's how much you get to keep. So it's how much do you make, how much tax do you have to pay, and then what do you net? Well, if we can reduce the tax part of that equation, then if you're returns are not as robust in the next eight to ten years over time you still end up with a decent net income so I have that tax class tax planning in the new age it's on November 2nd at 6 30 p.m. Uh, that is also a Tuesday evening at Pellissippi Hardin Valley if you go to my website at broganfinancial.com you can click on classes and you can click to register for that class as well now, few today, retirees today, fewer have pensions, which is a big reason why they're worried about outliving their money. And when I mean pension, you know, we're talking about where you get basically like an annuity of retirement income that lasts for you and maybe your spouse's wife if you elect the survivor benefit. And then when you die, it's gone. So it's kind of like a pension annuity. Pension access and availability dropped significantly at, after 1978 after the introduction of the 401k as an option for retirement saving. So when you combine a decrease in pensions out there with the increases in life expectancy, you can see that it could cause trouble. So it's a massive shift in retirement planning that has left many of you concerned about the possibility of outliving your money. You know, pension access for aging baby boomers is significantly lower than the previous generation. Many of today's retirees, you have now what's called defined contribution plans. That's what a 401k is, a 403b, a 457, meaning you're adding money or your employer is adding money. They're adding a contribution. And then it's invested, and then later on in life, you can pull that out and live on it for retirement. You're in control of it, but there's no guarantees really. A defined benefit plan is what a pension is, where your benefit is designed by your number of years in service and your income, your salary, your income over the last three or five years, that kind of thing. That's what's called a defined benefit plan. So previous generations had a lot of defined benefit plans, but there's been which are pensions, there's been a huge move away from that. Now, here in the Knoxville area, you know, one big exception to that is Oak Ridge. If you, you know, if you're working with one of the Department of Energy contractors, a lot of those have pension plans where you retire, you get income for life, and they provide a very nice retirement income. Uh, but at other employers, like even the University of Tennessee, you know, older workers were eligible for the Tennessee Consolidated Retirement System, TCRS, but now that's been removed. And other big employers in the area, Alcoa, some of the other ones, they had pensions and then they froze them or converted them to defined contribution plans like 401ks and 403bs. So those are going away more because the employers don't want the ongoing liability. 
It's a lot harder for them to fund those future liabilities. Think about it. They have to figure out how to fund and manage paying you a pension 25 years from now or 30 years from now. So it just creates a lot of uncertainty and pressure uh, on those nest eggs. And, and, you know, a lot of pensions are underfunded, which puts some of those pensions at risk to being able to, to fund that future liability. Now then, meanwhile, Social Security benefits are more susceptible to inflation, erosion, than they've ever been, making them even less of a guarantee as compared to previous pension opportunities. According to a recent study, since 2000, even with annual Social Security cost of living increases, since 2000, monthly Social Security benefits have fallen by 34% relative to inflation. In other words, the increases in Social Security income have lagged inflation by 34% since 2000. So ultimately, that means you need two things. You need retirees today need a Social Security maximization strategy. How can you maximize your Social Security benefit? You know, we don't know when you're going to die. We do know that delaying the benefit gives you an 8% per year increase, roughly. The difference in your benefit at age 62 and age 70, to put it in perspective, regardless of when you were born, it is over a 75% increase, waiting from age 62 to age 70. So let, let's use some numbers. If your benefit at age 60 is 2000, $62 is $2,000 a month, at age 70, it's going to be over $3,500 a month, more than a 75% increase in your benefit. That is something that really gives us pause to consider. However, if you retire earlier, can you afford to delay that benefit? You know, if you gut your savings getting to age 70, that doesn't work either. Yeah, your benefit's higher at 70, but then you've gutted your savings. You don't have any flexibility or other income. You also have to consider things like spousal benefits and widow benefits. You know, the, 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 those are all critical components of a Social Security maximization strategy. So one is to maximize your Social Security benefit, and the biggest advice I would give you on that is that every single household is different. What was good for your neighbor or your coworker or your family member might be the worst thing in the world that you can do because it's a factor of, What's the age difference with your spouse? What are spousal benefit potential? What would the widow benefit be down the line? For example, if you're a good bit older than your spouse. And how much other money do you have and how much income do you need? So every Social Security decision for every household is completely unique and needs its own customized individualized solution. And then the second thing is you've got to structure income properly out of your investments. You know, in retirement, it's no longer about how much you have. It's how much, how much income you can generate. And it's creating stability of income in the short term, regardless of stock market conditions, so you're not left holding a bag if the market craters the year or two after you retire. You're not dependent on market investments in the early years of retirement. You have stability of income the way you structure your planning. And I talked about that more in depth in the first segment of this show. And But then you need growth of income in the long term, which means you need to have risk, but most people need to have risk investments. 
but you've just got to have the right balance of stable and risk investments and you've got to take the right kind of risk. So the income plan and how you invest to produce that income both now and in the early years of retirement and in the long term to fight inflation all becomes more and more important in the absence of pensions that provide for the bulk of income. Now, the other thing I'll say real quickly, and then we'll get to our last break, is what happens if you have a pension and you're offered a lump sum? The answer is it kind of depends. How much are you being offered on the lump sum? Are you being offered enough? In today's interest rate environment, because interest rates are so low, without getting too complicated, some of those pensions are, are offering some nice lump sum payouts. But, uh, so they're, they can be pretty attractive. But then what do you do with that money? If you take it and risk it too much, that's no good. Uh, if you keep the pension for stability of income for life, will your company pension plan be able to fund that liability for the rest of your life? So it's a carefully measured and calculated decision. As a rule, I have found that when you take a lump sum, you usually have a good bit more flexibility, especially in the short term, and you have more control over your assets at death. If you take the pension, you give up some of the control and you give up the, 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 the control at death, but you gain potentially some long-term income security. But then again, how secure is that pension? So again, kind of some individualized types of th decisions there. We, we can help you with all that. That's what we do at Brogan Financial. Um, and we give you, you can, at, on our website at broganfinancial.com, if you'd like, you can sign up for a consultation, either virtually or in person. We've also got a wealth of information. We've got guides on 401ks, also on pension plans. If you go to broganfinancial.com and click on resources, we'd love for you to download a complimentary copy of our guides. When we come back, what's, what's going on with Medicare? What are some potential changes to Medicare that you need to be aware of and the risk of funding health care and retirement? So stay, tu stay tuned. This is More Living with Jim Brogan on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. This is More Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. We're on every week at 9 a.m. and again at 3 p.m. You can also catch our podcasts online. All my shows are, are broadcast online with our podcasts. Uh, you can also listen to my dollars and cents segment and also my retirement minutes. Historically, you can even search them by category, like income planning, investments, 401k, whatever. Go to broganfinancial.com and we got plenty of, re if you click on radio, you can get all of that information. America has an aging population, and according to government statistics, 70% um, of people currently 65 will need long-term care at some point in their lives. And Medicare doesn't cover these kinds of things. Uh, there are also proposals, and it, this is all related because we're seeing proposals for expanding Medicare. And there are several being debated right now. So that you, I think you need to be aware of if you're a Medicare beneficiary or you're getting, you know, I mean, we're all going to be Medicare beneficiaries at some point if we live to 65. So the House and Ways Committee, excuse me, the House 
Ways and Means Committee voted to expand Medicare benefits, and some members of Congress are pushing to allow Medicare to negotiate prices directly with pharmaceutical manufacturers. I'd be all for that. If pa- now, some of the other benefits, if passed, vision benefits would begin in 2022, hearing benefits would begin in 2023, and dental benefits would begin in 2028. And then Medicare could potentially negotiate drug prices, what drugs are covered, and much more. But that is more government involvement. And does that lead more to the government telling us which medicines we can or cannot take? And is there any control taken out of the physician's hands? Now, in the Older Americans Act, President Biden's 2022 budget would increase funding for programs like Meals on Wheels, supportive services for the homebound, and respite for caregivers. And there's been a proposal for a public catastrophe long-term care insurance program, followed by a small payroll tax increase. You know, ultimately, when we hear about all this, now a lot of this stuff is probably unlikely to pass right now, but we've not heard discussions on this type of additional government involvement in our health care uh, really ever that I can remember. And so I'm, I'm not saying it's necessary or unnecessary. All I'm saying is however that starts to evolve, how are we going to pay for it? And what are the long-term implications? Is there going to be a plan to work to enrich Medicare benefits? You know, when you retire at age 65, your annual health care costs are going to be around five, five to $6,000 a year. And that includes your Medicare premiums. That's like all-in medical cost. Now, when, for an average 65-year-old, that you might have a couple of conditions, but you're not, you know, you don't have a ton of medical conditions. If you're in your early 80s, that's probably going to be more like 10 to 12,000 a year. From my vantage point, it's all about building a plan to cover those costs in your income. But the government is talking more and more about changing the structure, enriching benefits for those who have less income in retirement and reducing benefits for those that have more income in retirement. So we don't know where this is going. Change is likely. I think change with Medicare benefits, change with tax policy, all of these things are likely. So one of the things that occurs to me is when we do planning, for anything that we do, for businesses, for our financial affairs, for a vacation, anything at all, when we plan diligently, What ultimately happens is we increase flexibility. We increase our ability to evolve and adapt to change. So planning efficiently for all of these things is just critically important. I'm glad you tuned in this week. We've discussed your wealth management because greater wealth provides for more living so you can live the best years of your life your way. This is More Living, and I want to thank Chris for engineering the show and Jill for helping produce the show. Thank you for tuning in this week. You've been listening to More Living with Jim Brogan. We call cover, we come to you every week, Saturday morning at 9 a.m. and again at 3 p.m., and you can catch all of our podcasts. Go to broganfinancial.com and click on radio. Have a great weekend. Let's go Tennessee. Let's beat them Gators. We'll talk to you next week. 
The views expressed by Jim Brogan and his guests are not that of Cumulus Media. Any discussion of financial, legal, and tax planning strategies is not intended to be individualized advice and is general in nature. Always consult with your advisor for advice specific to your needs. This program's content does not represent a recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment by Jim Brogan or Brogan Financial Incorporated.